0: You can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to The Karen Kenny Show. I'm wicked excited to be here today with all of you. Um, We're going to dive right into this sucker. Um, And I'm going to take this maybe couple of different directions with different different stories or whatever. but I hope you walk away from this episode with something a little something to contemplate and maybe you'll discover some things about yourself maybe you'll discover some things about some people <laughs> in your past life or your current life or whatever. Uh, but that is always my aim and my hope that something that I share from my heart to yours um either helps you to think differently or um, see things more clearly. I always say, right, to to educate, to elevate, to enlighten, to entertain, um, that somehow what I'm sharing will be of help or of value um, for you. So I'm calling this sucka the tender spots, the tender spots. And I remember growing up when I was a kid, um, there was a, a band called... Um, um the general public and they had a song called tenderness if any of you remember that you trust me you don't want me singing it <laughs> but you know the chorus was that they would sing tenderness where is the you know where is it <laughs> i think if some of you remember that song i used to love that song so much and this concept of tenderness and I, i've been thinking back about that and i wonder if it's because I wish there was a little more tenderness in my life growing up, because that's one thing that there was not a lot of. So I remember when one of my old friends, me, I've known, I've known David Kessler for a wicked long time. Uh, it's not that we've been particularly close or have spent a ton of time together, but I met David Kessler, um, who David is an author. He is um, a teacher. I would say he's an educator. Um, on grief and he's one of the world's most well-known grief experts. And I met him back uh, when I first, um, back in the time when I was first meeting uh, Marion Williamson um, is when I got to know David Kessler. Um, And David did a lot of work with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who is also one of the pioneers of of grief, right? So I um, knew David, but I also have studied with him and I went and took a class with him um, one time on grief. And I remember him telling his own origin story of how his mother died. Uh, and it's a powerful story. Like she was in the hospital um, and uh, whatever. It's not my story to tell. But he tells this incredible story about when he was young. And he, he, I think he was 13 when his mom died. But he was young or maybe even a little bit younger. But he was just a young boy. And I'll never forget him telling the story at the um, workshop that I attended, the training that I attended, when he said at the age that he was when his mother died, um, his friends had kind of commented to him, I'm hoping that I get this right, but this is what my, this is what my recollection is. So I always say i subject to change and I'm doing my best, but I'm almost positive he said something about how um, his friends had kind of commented to him that they believed he didn't get enough tenderness growing up. And as soon as he said that at the workshop, it like, boom, it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, holy shit. Like, yeah, me too. Especially in the environment that I grew up in, in my family and in Lawrence, Massachusetts. And, you know, I always say like when people are like, well, what was Lawrence like? I'm like, it was a tough little immigrant city, 30 miles north of Boston, right? Right on the Merrimack river uh, it was an immigrant city. It was a mill town, right? I mean, it's a city, but it's like, you know, a mill city, uh, we're talking about like had working blue collar people. Like that's, that's my stock, right? Like that's what I come from. So there wasn't a lot of room for like whining and feeling sorry for yourself and, uh, <laughs> for too much softness. You know what I'm saying? There was not a ton of tenderness, um, And although my mother was wicked sweet to me, you know, and stuff, but still she was also a product of her environment, an adopted kid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when I think back about this concept of tenderness, uh, it's been kind of like swirling around in my head and how so much of the world's issues would go, like, would maybe go away or be handled so much better. Because tenderness is in the same pool, right? It swims in the same pool as compassion and mercy and kindness. I would also say uh, forgiveness. But there's a particular reason why I want to focus on this. So today on Facebook, it came up in my memories. Um, Something that I had written five years ago uh, when I found out that my, my my sister Kim, her childhood boyfriend, a kid named Billy DeMonaco, Billy DeMonaco, um, who was um, a musician, amongst other things. And it, so it came up in my memories today, this piece that I had written about him when I found out about his passing. And I was talking about what we were like as kids. And I was talking about Billy and what an incredible musician he was and how passionate he was and all these other things. And, and then I talked about how he also had a stutter. <sighs> So here's the thing about Massachusetts. I shouldn't say, I always say this too. Let me be clear. When I make broad sweeping statements, when I say like Massachusetts kids or this, right, this, like kids from Lawrence, this, and then I make some sort of statement. Please know that I know that there are always exceptions to every rule. It's not like my story or my experiences, like every single person who ever grew up in that time and place is gonna be like, yeah, that's exactly how it was for me too. So I always leave room to say, I'm not saying that my experience was your experience, but these are generalities, okay? Generalities. And one of the things that I can say um, is that in general, (laughs) growing up where I grew up, we kind of went for the jugular. And let me explain that. So Billy had a stutter. So when we were kids, right, like he was my sister's boyfriend. My sister had a car. I didn't. I'm 18 months younger. So they would go out and like do cool things. And I was the pain in the ass, like little sister who sometimes tagged along. So there would be a lot of times that I would be in the back seat, right, of one of, theirs, one of their cars. And, and my sister was laughing saying, yeah, Billy would be driving with his left hand and trying to reach into the back seat to punch you with his right, <laughs> right? Because whatever, you're, you're a pain in the ass. And But he was also a pain in the ass. So it went both ways. So in this kind of memorial little piece that I wrote about his passing, I was commenting on this about how he had a stutter. And as a person who loves words, loves using words to communicate, to talk about, to write, to express. And especially as he was a songwriter and a singer. And I was talking about how It must have been so frustrating for him. Um, And I would see it when he would be trying to get a word out or a thought out or an idea out or to communicate and he would start to stutter. So I knew about this vulnerability and I knew about this weak spot, right? This weak spot, this tender spot. And I was saying that when he would be trying to tell, like when he would be trying to hit me or to tell me to shut up or whatever, when he was being mean to me, the way that I came back at him is I would make fun of his stutter. And I was just like recounting in that story, like, oh, I was such a little asshole, you know? But it wasn't uncommon. And it's how we all grew up in that, again, all, I use that word lightly, how most of us, let me say that, correction, how most of us grew up in that time. And even though I knew it was um, a vulnerable place, right? Something that, that, that vulnerable place within him. And I knew he was a wicked, sensitive kid. We all were in our own ways. So this is just a, a, a little section of, of what I wrote. I said, so we're talking, I'm talking about his stutter and how I used to like, you know, make fun of him when he was coming for me. This is, this was how I would retaliate or whatever. I said, and yet as a kid, I used that vulnerability against him. That's what we did in Lawrence back then. If you saw a weakness, you used it to your advantage, to attack, to injure, to destroy. Now, this is the line that is most important in this. I go on to say, it didn't occur to us that if something was a tender spot, that the appropriate response was to be tender. It didn't occur to us, I'll say this again, it didn't occur to us that if something was a tender spot, that the appropriate response was to be tender. When I've thought about this so much, because when I think now, like I was just saying to my sweetie, you know, Let's let's take it let's take it out of the mental let's take it out of the mental right um, of thinking about these tender places and da 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 let's let's make it physical because it makes a really good example right so if somebody that you loved whether it's your sweetie your partner your mom your dad your siblings your best friend your cousin whatever your animal your pet if somebody or something you love that is sentient in feeling had a wound <laughs> had a cut had a huge bruise, had something physically like bandaged, bloody, burnt, you know, all the ways that the physical body can suffer. Would you ever, in a million years, go up to them and poke that tender spot, punch that tender spot, noogie that tender spot, slap that tender spot, right? Like would you gouge it or jam your finger in the bullet hole or whatever, right? So my sweetie and I are talking about this. And he said, well, sane people wouldn't do that. He goes, but that's what you did growing up. And I think about that, like when we were little kids, like if somebody knew that you had a soft spot or you had been bruised or whatever, they'd come right up and like punch you right in that spot. And I think, what the fuck was wrong with us? Like, seriously, like what the fuck is happening right now? Like, why would we do that to each other? And I think about how like, you know, animals like physical animals, how like cats will sometimes, you know, go off to die or a wounded animal goes and hides because they know they're vulnerable and they know that, that, that predators bigger than them will sense their weakness, will sense their vulnerability and come to do them in, come to kill them, eat them, whatever. And I think that, you know, Human beings, we think we're so, we're so superior. This is a whole episode for another day. We think we're so smart and so superior, but we are often the most violent and vicious of them all. Like we look down upon animals like, oh, animals, they do this and this and this. I'm like, we are the most vicious and violent and suspicious and terrorizing creatures of them all. Just take a look around at what's happening in the world right now. There's your proof. So I just think back. And then I was thinking too, and double a men hands, if you can relate to any of this, just double a men hands, if you have been the one doling out, right? The meanness, the punishment, the poking, the punching, the noogies and the bruise and the boo-boo, right? Or if you were the one on the receiving end, because I've been both, I've been both. I know what it's like to have somebody who was like, we used to do the stupidest shit as kids. Like, let me just give you an example. So my sister Pam and I, we used to play this game and, and they were all like tests of your toughness, all right? Because we were idiots. <laughs> we were idiots. I just come right out and accept it. Knuckleheads, just fucking knuckleheads. But we used to play these things about like, how long could you like stand the pain? So we used to do this thing where we would take erases like erases, like on a pencil. All right, I'm gonna hold, I don't have my big pink one, but like the end of a pencil, right? We would take an eraser, like the pink nubby end of a pencil and we would, rub, I still have a little scar on my hand, okay? We would rub it against each other's skin to see how, cause it builds heat, man. That friction would like build heat. And we would do it to each other to see who could last the longest. And if you didn't, like, if you gave up too soon, it was like, oh, you're such a pussy. You're such a like, whatever. And I just think like, what was wrong with us? Like what was going on? And I'm like, oh, I know. We were products of our environment. There was not a lot of room for softness or quote unquote weakness or tenderness because where we grew up and how we grew up in the household we grew up, you would get chewed up and spit out if your ass did not have some toughness. And I just think back and I think, oh my God, this is so insane. So if these the were the kinds of things that we were inflicting on ourselves and the people closest to us, it makes sense that we would then go on to choose to date people who also maybe did those things. So I can think of at least three boyfriends, at least. Probably more. (laughs) But just off the top of my head, at least three boyfriends that when we would have an argument, they would go for the jugular in such a severe and punishing way. They would just like take you out of the knees. Like they knew. Because of course, when you're with somebody long enough and you become lovers and you become like you're around each other and you meet each other's families and you, you know all the insecurities and the vulnerabilities and the places where you're neurotic or the things that you fear about yourself, right? Whether it's the fear of judgment or the fear of abandonment or the fear of not being worthy or lovable, right? And this is why in A Course in Miracles, it often talks about how special Special relationships, right? The, the warning of special relationships because a lot of times special love relationships, I'm doing air quotes for the listeners, special quote unquote love relationships often become special quote unquote hate relationships because I keep seeing this little thing in my eye. I'm sorry, it's driving me crazy. So special love relationships often become special hate quote unquote relationships because these are the things that we do, do, things that we do to each other. And I remember one time, I was pointing out to somebody, um, an ex, in in a very, um, I'm hoping that I was saying it in in a tender way, in a kind way, but they had a pattern of this thing. And I was kind of pointing it out like, hey, you're kind of playing favorites here, or hey, there's an imbalance here, you may not be aware of, right? And they turned around and they said something to me like, I'll give you the, I'll give you, I'll paraphrase it. But they were like, I would push you off a fucking bridge for da, 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 da. And I was like, oh man, like I remember to this viscerally, I still remember exactly where I was in the house, in the room, where I was standing, where he was positioned. The look on his face when he said it to me, because this is like deep programming, right? Because this is one of the ways that we become subconsciously programmed is by big emotional moments. And that shit goes like right in there, right into the subconscious. And I'll never forget them, him saying that to me. And it changed something. It changed something in the dynamic of how we related to each other. Because it was such a mean and unkind and cruel and unnecessary thing to say. But that was his fighting style. That's why like in my relationship with my sweetie now, we've never once called each other names, never once. It's gonna be, it's our anniversary on Sunday um, and 16, so 12 years married, but like 16 years together. We've never once called each other a name. It doesn't mean that we don't have discussions, but we we have, I consciously chose, I don't know what his fighting style would have been like. Um, He grew up in a really different household not that he didn't have his own struggles and his own challenges because trust me he did but I grew up in like a war zone so like screaming and yelling and the name calling and the slamming doors and the fear and the anxiety and all is somebody gonna leave like all that uncertainty was how I grew up and so you know when he by the time he and I got together I was like 39. I don't know. I was close to 40. I was a fucking grown ass adult. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing these old patterns and these old styles of communication uh, with you. I'm going to do my best to never do that. I want to make a conscious choice in how I talk to you and communicate with you because I'd done it the other way. I've been the receiver of getting my tender spots, um, punched, pushed, you know, provoked, and I doled them out to other people. And I was just at a point, this isn't to say that, oh, aren't we so spiritual and special? It's not that, I'm just telling you that it's possible. The only reason why I share anything isn't to, um, is to, let, to let you know that there's another way, there might be a different way. Because once you think, huh, this doesn't seem to be working, there might be a different or better way, that's when miracles can happen. When that shift in your mind happens, that shift from fear, attack, defend, prove, shifts to love, compassion, tenderness, mercy, understanding, realizing, as A Course of Miracle tells us, that your interests are not separate from your brother, right? Your brother and sisters, your sweetie, your mom, your dad, whoever falls under that category for you, our interests are not separate. So I just try not to do that. Because here's what, what happens. If, if you, how do I say this? I've seen it happen not only in intimate relationships, like meaning people that you're sexually intimate with. I've also experienced it in friendships, um, especially with women. This isn't a bag on women. I love women. I think we can be incredible and amazing friends at times. Um, I think it takes a lot of emotional and spiritual and mental maturity though to do friendships well. But I can recall... um, many instances where you know women oftentimes we tend to get close quickly again not all of us but a lot of us we can get close quickly and so often we find ourselves in the relationship before we realize who we're having the relationship with the friendship with and so a lot of times as women we we open the doors and the windows and we share and we say here I am and we show all the pots Right, The brilliant paths, the bullshit paths, the places where we have blind spots. Well, we don't know that we have the blind spots, but our friends will often see them. (laughs) And often we have blind spots to them because we're not yet ready to heal them, to feel them, to deal with them. But the people around us, right, and especially my, for me as a spiritual mentor, that's one of my jobs is I'm listening for those beliefs, the BS I call it, right, the BS, the beliefs, the stories, the bullshit, and the blind spots, right. That's what I'm always listening for, um, and paying attention for, because those are the things that we need to change the programming of in the subconscious. So. Um, What I find is that a lot of times when you're in relationships with people where there is vulnerability and the walls come down and you allow yourself to trust and be seen and be heard and to share all the experiences, when people gather and become aware of those wounded spots, What we never want to have is the experience of when you think shit, they just gathered all that information so that they could eventually use it against me, to manipulate me, to hold me hostage, to threaten me, to treat me like shit, like whatever. And again, you may or may not have had these experiences, but I guarantee you somebody right now is listening to this and shaking their head yes. And if that's you, double amen hands, because I feel you, sister. I feel your brothers. I feel you people of the world. <laughs> we've all been there. So if we've been there and we know how much it sucks and we know how much it hurts, like why would we want to keep doing that to people? So that's one of my things, you know, that's one of, one of my things is that um, I know what it's like to lose trust. And I've ended relationships. I've ended friendships because it occurred to me, I'm like this, I can't trust this person anymore. This is no longer a safe place for me. This is no longer a safe spot for me because I I don't because if I feel like I have to stop putting up my dukes, if I feel like if like that part of me that is like that watchdog part of me or like Vicky with 2K's from Lawrence, right, who's the protector, I've done so much work in my life to put my dukes down, to not walk around with like my fucking dukes up ready to attack, defend, and prove, right? Like that's one of my things, try to move through the world with nothing to attack, defend, or prove. You know, A Course in Miracles has taught me it is in my defenselessness that my safety lies. So if I'm around somebody that I used to trust or be open with, and I notice behaviors or... um just things that they're saying or energy because energy is huge for me if 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 my like spidey senses start to go off and i feel like more often than not like i gotta put my dukes up that's like red flag red flag you know warning danger will robinson danger will robinson right i'm like ooh, this is no longer a safe place for me because i want all parts of me especially in my chosen friendships. I know that out in the world, not every place is a safe place. Not every person is a safe person. Not every environment wants me there or welcomes me for a thousand different reasons, right? And I know that other people, <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody who has been quote unquote "ovid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But in our most intimate friendships and relationships, with our family members and like, even within your um, origin family, right? Your core family, a lot of times it might feel like, oh, I cannot be myself here. This is not a safe place because these people attack the weakest parts of me. And this is one of the reasons why I'm vegan is because I know that animals, um, although physically, some of them might be way stronger than me, They cannot speak for themselves. They cannot defend themselves. They can't protect themselves because humans, again, are the most vicious, right? And destructive and violent creatures of them all. So I just feel like I don't want to contribute to that. That's another story for another day. But I don't want to inflict myself on beings and creatures who are sentient and who feel and have emotions and relationships and all these other things. I don't want to inflict myself, my will, my strength, my ability, my privilege, my priorities, whatever on them. That's why I don't like bullies. And I understand that bullies are not born. They are created. Although I imagine some bullies throughout history came through with their wiring a little off, hence sociopaths, et cetera, psychopaths. Um, But for the most part, bullies are created based on the experiences that they've often had in their most formative years. So while I have compassion, it doesn't mean I need to be their punching bag. So I'm not a big fan, right? Not a big fan, I should say this, of the behavior of bullies. So here's what I'm trying to say. We all want feelings of safety. We all, if we're like, can you imagine, let's look at the ridiculousness of this. Can you imagine you go into your therapist's office and your therapist who, um, you know, you tell all your things too, right? The one safe, one of the safe places. And you usually go to a therapist because obviously they have training in a particular area or they're just objective, right? They're a safe place. They're not your friends, your family, your sweeties, your partners, whatever. You get to go and say, this is how I feel. And this is what I think. And you have a safe, neutral Switzerland kind of place to work some shit out. Can you imagine if you went in after telling your 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 therapist, like, oh, I'm afraid of the doc or like, I'm afraid of clowns. And you go in and they like jump out behind the door wearing a clown mask. Like they would never, because they're like, why would I want to destroy that trust and that safety? Why would I want to inflict harm? Why would I want to inflict harm? But so much in this world, people through their competitiveness from trying to be superior, to try to one up, to try to be out of their own fucking insecurity, out of their own like lack of self-love and like so much of when we see somebody behaving in a particular way where they're not t- like, cause for me example, that streak of cruelty that I look back upon and saw in myself as a child, that was learned behavior, that was taught behavior. And as I got older, kind of like in those middle years, I could not extend sometimes a lot of compassion and a lot of tenderness and mercy towards other because I did not allow myself to have it first and foremost towards myself. I hated my weak spots. I hated my tender spots. You know, I was not allowed to have those feelings as a kid to process those things, right? I grew up with a stepfather who did not allow for uh, any weakness. I was rewarded for my toughness, right? It was one of the ways that I thought that I got love. And so why would I want to abandon that MO? Because at some point, here's why KK, here's why adult KK, as I pat myself on the head, because it stopped working as a strategy that was no longer fucking helpful to anybody. As I've been able to meet those places within myself, with kindness, with forgiveness, with compassion, with tenderness, with mercy, with love, with love. I've gotten better and better and better and better and better and better at extending the same thing to others. I think it's one of the reasons why I feel called to work with people who are trying to work through some shit. It's why I continue to do things like train in different areas of like, you know, I would never say, I always say hashtag not, a you know, uh, like clinical psychologist or therapist, but I am a certified spiritual mentor. I am a yoga teacher. I have trained in Thai yoga massage and body work. I have trained in trauma. Again, I would never use like, uh, would I even say I'm trauma informed? I would say I'm, um, I've done some training, that's what I feel comfortable saying. I've done training in trauma, always trying to learn. And recently I also became a certified hypnotherapist. I am a certified hypnotist because I understand the power of subconscious programming and brain science and the power of spirituality and bringing these three things together for, it's like having a superpower in, in, in healing. It's, it's incredible. And this is the first time I'm actually saying it on the show. <laughs> so that, like I'm just kind of sneaking my news out there. Um, so yeah, because I know it's another powerful healing modality um, that is going to help me to help others in such a deeper and greater and, and long lasting way. As long as everybody uh, who I work with does their part too, right? It's not like I'm just gonna like wave a magic wand. Um, but the more that I do this work, I think this is why I do this work is because I see, you know, when people say, oh, I'm wicked sensitive. And I think, aren't we all underneath, even if somebody seems really gruff and tough and t- you know, hard exterior, underneath it all, there was a tender-hearted little kid and they're still in there somewhere. And usually, as I often say, that's who I'm actually working with. I always say people come to me in their adult bodies, but so much what I'm dealing with is that part of them in those much younger formative years that didn't get a say and got picked on or was terrified or scared or didn't feel lovable or worthy or safe. And so now I love working with people and creating safe spaces for people because we all have the tender spots. And we all need somebody in our life to be tender. And it's so interesting to me because, you know, people will often, you've heard me say this before, if you're um, a listener on the show, that people will sometimes say, oh, I knew you would give it to me straight. I knew that you were going to kick my ass. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I'm a straight shooter and I speak direct. I, I try not to waste people's time or beat around the bush, but I do try to, I always say firmly sometimes, yes, but lovingly. I always try to extend uh, the love from my hat. And then hopefully my words and my actions reflect that. Not going to say I always get it 100% right because I'm human. I am a spiritual being, but I am having a a human experience, right? (laughs) So doing my best all the time to slow down enough that I can choose my words mindfully, that I can... Um, make a choice for how I want to respond to something from love rather than react out of fear. Um, So I guess this is just another little love letter from my heart to yours, that if you are somebody who also maybe didn't get enough tenderness growing up, we have an opportunity to heal that now within ourselves by also practicing that and extending that love and that tenderness and that kindness and that compassion, that mercy to others, to animals, and to human beings. This is how the world gets healed. I mean, when I take a look around right now and all the shit that I see just happening in the world and on social media and the way that people just so brutally and mindlessly just spew their opinions and their bullshit and their, their, you see, I I just look around and I'm like, wound, 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 (laughs) right? Wound, I'm like, ooh, like, ah, like, right? And so I, I try not to get into any kind of, I, I just don't engage as much as possible with knuckleheads. Like when I see that somebody is hell bent on destroying themselves and others, I'm like, yeah, you know what I can work on? Me. I, you know what I can choose? Me. I can choose love. I can choose how I'm showing up. I can choose who I want to spend time with, the people that I want to help. Like I, I really try to focus because that's how I know all that a society is, is a collective of individuals. And if we want the greater world to change, the consciousness of the world, if we want the world to change, before you can change the world, you got to change your own damn self. And it's also why I love working with individuals. And now I'm creating a program to work with leaders because leaders have a lot of impact. People who lead groups or coaching programs, who have businesses, who have like entrepreneurs, people who run things, right? because they have uh, um, this expansive amplification, exponential effect when you have access to a lot of people. And whether that's through your platform, your programs, your projects, your place of business, whatever it is, um, because this, the world needs us. I always say, I used to say to, you know, I say to my, my clients and the people in the nest um, who have children, like the greatest gift you can give your children is to get your shit together is to heal your stuff. So we're not passing down generational trauma. You know, the old saying, the buck stops here. Like, so you're the one who says, I am not gonna be the weak link in this chain. Like, it's gonna end with me. I'm gonna choose to be proactive in my own healing so that I can show up in my life, in my family, in my business, in my work, my creativity, whatever I'm producing in the world, you know? That, that wherever I go, that I leave the place better, the people better, the animal's environment better, right? That where I show up, I've been a blessing. I'm not walking around poking people's tender spots because I've healed my own and I've paid close enough attention that I can recognize what's who is in front of me and asking them like, what happened? And then with that very precious knowledge, not then torquing it, twisting it, uh, perverting it and using it against them. So just think about, you know, like, like, I, and I think about, it, and I always keep saying noogies. Like I keep hearing noogies in my head. Remember when you were kids and you would noogie somebody in their tender spot. And that's another game we would play. We would just punch somebody again and again and again in the same spot, right? It's like, what? Again, what the fuck was wrong with us? Oh, Lord have mercy. So here's what I'm saying, people. When we become aware of a tender spot, okay, maybe we should just keep in mind that if something is a tender spot, the appropriate response is to be tender. Okay. So that's what I got for you this week. (laughs) I hope this was helpful. Here's the thing, you guys, if you listen to my show, but you are not on my mailing list, my email newsletter list, please come join. I send out little stories, little spiritual things. You're the first to find out when I open up new programs or new offers like hypnotherapy, things that I'm like stirring up, like some new things I got on the side. <laughs> so it's a pretty it's pretty fun to be a part of the, uh, the family. So you just go to karenkenney.com slash sign up and you can get on the list or just go to my, my website too. You'll find where, you know, how to sign up for things or whatever. But I'd love to have you join us. Um, If you're interested in The Nest, The Nest is now open year-round. My spiritual membership uh, and mentorship and community. Uh, So that's wicked fun too. So by the time you guys hear this, hopefully I'll have the back end all situated and stuff. Uh, And we can talk more about that. We're going to talk more about that on another episode, but I just wanted to give you the heads up on that because you guys find out, you guys and the people on my mailing list, find out shit first. (laughs) Because you're my community. You're the ones who like sign up to be here and choose to listen and participate, which I appreciate so much. You have no idea how much it means to me that you uh, consciously continue to choose um, to, to, I always say, if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, thank you so much for um, for being a part and for listening. Oh yeah, that's the other thing, you guys. Oh my God, I totally forgot. So like a couple of days ago, I was just going about my business and all of a sudden I was like, shit, May, March 7th. And I was like, hey, like literally out of the blue, I was like, March 7th, March 7th, what is this date? And I was like, Oh my God, today is my third anniversary, my three year anniversary of the Karen Kenny Show. Can you even believe it? Three years with this episode, 158 episodes. I'm going to pat my, I'm proud of myself, man. I'm proud of myself. I have done something consistently weekly for three years. This is no joke. It's just like me with my daily spiritual practice. I've been doing a daily, daily spiritual practice for over 30 years. So, Uh, I don't, I always say there's a lot of shit I'm not really good at (laughs) There's a lot of things I don't have skill sets in, but the things when I recognize it in myself, because I did not get enough tenderness, I did not get enough cheerleading and uh, support in a lot of ways as a kid. So now I do it for myself. So a little pat on my back. Good job. Good job. (laughs) Just thanks you. Just thank you for listening and for supporting the show because look, if nobody was listening to this sucker, I would not take the time to do it. And this is one of my free resources. I understand that not everybody at all times in their life, and hopefully it will change if it calls to your hat. but not everybody can quote unquote, you know, has has the uh, affordability to be able to work with me. So doing this free podcast is one of the ways that I get to um, contribute. And to send love out into the world and hopefully be helpful. So you guys, thank you for everything. I I see you. I, I celebrate you. I appreciate you. I have so much gratitude for you. Um, and you know what I'm going to say next. If you've been listening long enough, you know what I'm going to say. Wherever you go, may you leave the people, the place, the animals, and the environment better than how you first found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny show. (laughs) I super duper appreciate your time, friendship and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K E N N E Y L I V E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to KarenKenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.